0: What I have in the room tonight are the Navy SEALs because you guys and gals have braved the torrential downpours. Man, y'all loaded up the ark and came and I'm so glad y'all are here. I know there's people watching online that you were probably scared to death to get out in this weather and I understand, but uh, we're thankful for those who made it. We're thankful for all those at Fairview that are uh, out there, but grab your Bibles. We're continuing our series in James. So we're going to be in James chapter one. Uh, Last week we started talking about Uh, where James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And uh, we talked about what that looks like. What does it mean that we're being tempted? How can we count it all joy? And tonight we're going to be speaking on the issue of wisdom. Now, it looks like James is kind of shifting gears on us, uh, because he's going from talking about trials, then he talks about wisdom, and then he talks about temptations. And it seems like, okay, what is this little piece about wisdom doing there? And really and truly what this is, it's kind of the glue that's holding these two thoughts together. In the first part, he's saying, here's how we deal with trials. And then he says, here's some wisdom. And in the next part, he's talking about, here's how we handle temptations. And how many of you know you need some wisdom on how to handle trials and temptations in life? And so that's what James is really helping us understand. He's helping us understand there is wisdom available to you, and all you've got to do is ask. So let's start reading in verse 5, and we're going to read down to verse 11. He says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as a flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways." Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this time together, so we can gather together. Lord, we can read your word, study your word, let it apply to our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would be with me tonight. God, you know, oh, I woke up and I've been tired all day long. So, Father, I'm just asking for your strength. Lord, I'm asking for your grace. Lord, I-, I pray that you would just pour into me. Father, I just need your presence, need your anointing. Lord, that you would just bless us here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. So tonight we're talking about wisdom. And I like how James starts out by saying, if any of you lack wisdom. Now, here's the thing. I think we all lack wisdom. I'm not saying I don't think he's saying there's some people who have it all together, have it all figured out. And then there's some of us who are out here floundering around in the dark trying to figure it out. I think what James is saying is that there's some people out there who think they have it all figured out and you can't convince them otherwise. Uh, It's hard to convince somebody they don't know it all sometimes. And if you don't believe me, have you ever met a teenager? All right. They know it all. They already got it all. Matter of fact, how many of you were teenagers at one time? Okay, And so at one point in your life, you were one of those who had it all figured out. And and so what James, I think, is trying to help us understand when he says, if any of you lack wisdom, is that sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves before we finally realize we ain't got no wisdom. Uh, He says, if any of you lack wisdom, my son, uh, he plays baseball and I love it because baseball was my sport. I grew up playing baseball. Uh, I, I, was, I was in the outfield, and a lot of times people think if you're in the outfield, you're not very good. I was phenomenal, all right? I was a great baseball player, and uh, I was put in the outfield because I had a cannon. I could throw somebody out from right field all the way to home. I mean, I could throw that ball, and I was always a chunky kid. And so uh, chunky kids can, can smack the ball, okay? When they're up to the bat... And I'd hit them to the fence just about every time. I made every MVP, all-star team there was. I got the game balls. I got all the trophies. I, and so now that my son's playing, it thrills my heart. Now, here's the thing. If you've ever tried to coach your kid, you'll realize really quickly, they don't think you know anything. They don't, I don't care. I don't care if you were uh, uh, Barry Bonds. I don't care if you, if you at one time were a professional baller. Your kid's going to think you're stupid. And you don't know anything. And so I try to help my son. And I'll say, son, you gotta, you got to kind of shift your weight. you got to plant that foot and twist. And, and, and I try to tell him how to, how to ground a, a hard-hit ground ball so they don't pop him up in the face. And how to track a hard-hit fly ball in the outfield and make sure it don't, it don't, he don't overrun it or fall short of it. And he just looks at me like I'm dumb. Until... He gets popped in the face with a hard ground ball. And until he gets burned by a fly ball in the outfield or until he hits a a ground ball in the infield and gets thrown out at first base, all of a sudden, dad might know what he's talking about. And I think that's what James is saying. He says, sometimes we think we got it all figured out until we don't, uh, and until we need that wisdom. And so James is saying, if any of you lack wisdom, which I believe that is everybody in this room, we are people who lack wisdom sometimes. And then... Maybe you say, well, that person, you might know somebody says, man, that person knows their Bible, man. They know their Bible. And that's knowledge. But a person who uses their Bible, that's wisdom. There's a difference just because, you know, your Bible, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But if you use your Bible, that is wisdom. And so we have to understand what is this wisdom he's speaking about here in verse five? He says, if you lack any wisdom, this wisdom is a divine knowledge. It's a, it's a divine knowledge used to help us live a moral life. And that's what this, 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 this is. It's a divine knowledge. You'll be able to make decisions in a moral, just, righteous way. You'll be able to handle situations in a moral, right, just way. And so this kind of wisdom, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And we have to ask for it. And wisdom, wisdom is ability to see a situation from God's perspective. That's what wisdom is. How many of you know there's a lot of perspectives out there? Everybody's got a perspective. I, I can't tell you the times I've been able to sit down with people in counseling and uh, listen to them argue. And what they're arguing about is they each have their own perspective of what happened. This is what I felt happened and this is what I saw. Well, this is what I felt happened and this is what I saw. And what they're arguing is their perspective. And here's the thing. If it's your perspective, then that's your reality. That, I can't convince you otherwise that it didn't happen because that's what you feel happened. That's your perspective. That's your reality. How many of you would say, you know what? I would like to see situations from God's perspective sometimes, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Everybody's mind is different. We're wired differently, especially men and women. I can call my wife and I can say, hey, Tracy, now I'm not trying to pick on my wife. OK, I put this on the record. I'm not picking on my wife. I like being, I like being alive. If I come home, with bru- if you all see bruises, you know something happened. I love my wife. I'm not picking on her. But there's times I can call my wife and I can just ask her a simple question. Tracy, I'm at McDonald's. What would you like? Simple question, right? Now, my wife will call me. And she'll say, hey, I had to go to Walmart today. I had to go return some things that uh, didn't fit. So while I was at Walmart, you're not going to believe who I ran into. I ran into Linda. Did she tell you that Ryan got a scholarship for, for baseball to play at Wallace? He's going to be a mechanical engineer. Oh, by the way, I saw the other day that you had some holes in your socks. So while I'm here at Walmart, I'm going to pick you up some socks and uh, I'm going to bring them back, put them in your drawers. That reminds me, Addie needs some new dresser drawers upstairs, and so I know we have that old set in the, in the shed. We need to pull that out, sand it down, get it painted, put it back in her, and I'm on the other end of the phone going, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, and about 10 minutes later, she gets to her question, which is, hey, I'm at McDonald's, you want anything to eat? Our minds work differently. matter of fact, I kind of have an illustration of what kind of like this looks like. Uh, This is is the the husband brain versus the the wife's brain. (laughs) Hey, listen, men of my line. All right. Okay. Ladies, I want you to take this and look at it because I want you to remember those times where you ask your husband what you're thinking. Like, what are you thinking about? And he says nothing. You know what he's literally thinking about? Nothing. Nothing. Meanwhile, your brain is all over the place. What am I trying to illustrate? We all have perspectives. We all have things that feel right to us, that we feel like this is truth to us. This is, And this is why we need God's perspective. Because sometimes we can miss it. Sometimes we can make it confusing. We can... Uh, we don't understand it the way we, we need to. Listen, if you perceive that everyone is against you, I can't, contr- I, can't, I can't convince you otherwise. That's what your perspective is. If you perceive that this situation is the worst thing that's ever going to happen and it's not going to get any better, I can't convince you otherwise because that is your perspective. That is what, you're, what you think is happening. That's why we need God's perspective. Listen, God has a higher viewpoint than we do. He sees things differently than we see them. And he is all wisdom. He is all understanding. He is all knowledge. And so his perspective is way better than our perspective. And at the end of the day, in every situation in our lives, the question we need to ask ourselves is, Okay, what is God's perspective here? How does he see this? What is the wisdom I need from God at this very moment to help me in this situation? I think think about 2020. All right. When COVID hit, everybody had a perspective. I mean, good night. If you had the vaccine, if you got the vaccine, you were a sellout and a communist. If you didn't get the vaccine, well, you were a rebel and and a grandma killer. All right. If you came to church, you were a super spreader. If you didn't go to church, you weren't a real Christian. I mean, everybody had perspectives and opinions and ideas of what, how you should have handled this situation. And listen, as a pastor, but more importantly, as a believer, I don't need your perspective. I don't need the government's perspective. I don't need Fox News's perspective. I don't need CNN's perspective. I need God's perspective. I need his wisdom to help me in situations. I need him to give me guidance in those difficult situations. And so what we're going to be talking about is how do we find this wisdom, apply this wisdom, And what are some of the obstacles to achieving this wisdom? So, point number one in your handout, point number one, the origin of wisdom. The origin of where does wisdom come from? Where does wisdom come from? He says, verse 5 If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given. James is saying, wisdom comes from God. Amen. All right, if you read that again, let's read that again. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask Pastor Malcolm. Yeah. No, no. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask the news. <laughs> no, that's not what it says either, is it? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him go to Facebook. Oh. Is that what, no, that's not what, what does it say? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of... God God is the source and the authority of all wisdom. Look at, look at Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. He says, oh, the depth. I love that word. That means it's inexhaustible. It's limitless. It means you can't explore it all. You'll never reach the bottom. He says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath who hath been his counsellor? Or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever. I think one of the main reasons the church is so messed up today is because we're going to everyone else about their opinions, their perspective, their advice, instead of sitting at the very feet of God and asking him, What should we do? What do I need to do in this situation, God? We need to know what God has to say about the matter. And God, if this is true, that he has a depth of riches of knowledge and wisdom, then I, I believe that means he's never going to run out. He's never going to be in short supply. There will never be a moment in your life where you come to God for wisdom. He's going to say, I just gave out my last little bit. I mean, you're just a little bit late. No, he's saying it's always available. It's inexhaustible. Let, let's, let, let, let's look at it again. He says, he says that in him... It says, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who hath known the mind of the Lord? What is what is Paul telling us here? God is all wise and he knows it all. And you ain't got to worry about him ever running out. How many of you would say, yes, I agree out there, fair of you. I agree that God is all wisdom. There is nothing he doesn't know. In fact, there are things that he knows and he's the only one that knows that he knows it. How many of you all would agree with that statement? All right. So what does that mean practically for us? What does that mean for us in your notes? I put it there uh, kind of like a, uh, I think I put the word important next to it. This is what it means practically for us. God, being infinitely wise, knows the best potential outcome for every moment of your life. And he knows the best, absolute best way for you to achieve it. He knows the best outcome and he knows the best way to achieve it. Every decision, every relationship, every circumstance, God knows the best potential outcome, and he knows exactly what you got to do to achieve that. That's God's perspective. And, and when God looks at your life, he, he's not trying to figure it out with you. All right? He's not sitting there like, I don't know. No, he, he already knows. He already has all the answers. He already knows what's best for you. His divine perspective and his divine wisdom. He already knows all the steps that you need to take to make it happen. Any, anyone here willing to say, anyone at Fairview willing to say, you know what, I got some decisions I need to make. I got, I got some situations I'm trying to figure out. How, how many of you would like to know the absolute best outcome for that decision and the steps you need to make to make that happen? How, would, y'all, would y'all like that? All right, what about you? What about you in here that would say, you know what? I have some conflict going on in my life. I got some work issues. I got some home issues. I got some spouse issues. I got a rebellious child. I got I got an angry neighbor. I got some stuff. I got some conflict going on in my life. And you would like to know the best possible outcome for that situation and the steps you need to make in order to make that happen. And would you all enjoy some of that wisdom? Or, or maybe maybe you are considering a new relationship. You know, there's probably some single people in here and they're getting on the dating scene and you want to know the wisdom that you need to have to pursue the right relationships. Maybe you're about to get married and you want to know how to have the healthiest marriage you can. Or maybe you're recently divorced. And you're going to get back into the dating scene and you want to know the wisdom you need in order to go and find the right person without making the same mistakes you made before. Listen, how many of y'all would like in those situations to know the best possible outcome for your life and the steps you need to do in order to make that happen? Amen. That's wisdom. Right. Yep. That's leaning on God's perspective. Right. And if we're going to experience the best of what God has for us, we're going to need his wisdom. So secondly, how do we obtain this wisdom? How do we obtain this wisdom? Verse 5 again. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. It says that God gives wisdom. In other words, God, and this word giveth, this word giveth, in, in the Greek it's in the present tense, In other words, he's giving and continually giving. It's not that he gives it once. It's a continual action. It's basically saying God's nature is one who wants to continually give you wisdom. He just wants to continually bless you with wisdom. And God is always ready to give you wisdom. Sometimes we have this idea that God is playing games with us. Like he's hiding somewhere. And then when we get close to him, he kind of runs somewhere else and hides. And then finally, when we do find him, he gives us wisdom like this. That's not what this, that's not what James is saying. James is saying God is right here. He is available and he doesn't just want to give you a little bit of crumbs of wisdom. He's willing to pour out the whole barrel of wisdom on your life. He's, he's ready to bless you with wisdom. Look at Proverbs chapter two, verse six, Proverbs chapter two, verse six. He says, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. And so maybe you're asking, well, if this is true and God is ready to give me wisdom, how do I get it? How do I get it? Look at verse 5 again in James. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, what do you got to do? He says, let them ask. Let them ask of God. And this word ask. It's just like that other word we just talked about, giveth, where it's a continual action. Now, this is important. This means that we ask and we keep on asking. We don't just ask one time. It's not that you get saved and God just gives you all the wisdom that you're ever going to need at that moment. No, he's saying, you need to come to me again and again and again. It's a continual action. You're continually asking him for wisdom. Wisdom. It's a pursuit. It's a daily pursuit, a day by day, moment by moment pursuit of wisdom. And so, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I give you some ways on how to ask God for wisdom. Number one, His Word. His Word. If you want to know God's perspective in every circumstance, relationship, every problem in your life, you will never know it's His Wisdom if you don't sit down at his feet with his word in his word is how he reveals himself to us and so if you need wisdom it's right here it's right here you go to him in his word And, and, and one of the ways we get wisdom is by spending time in his word look at isaiah 55 it's in your notes i believe isaiah 55 verses 8 through 11 he says for my thoughts are not your thoughts Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Know what he's saying here? He's like, i got a different perspective than you do. I think differently than you do. I see things differently than you do. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, this, this next verse is very interesting. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. His word does not return void. It accomplishes what it's sent to do. And, 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 and God is, here, here God is saying to the prophet Isaiah, my perspective's not your perspective. Matter of fact, we're not even close. We're in a totally different stratosphere. He says, as far as the heavens are from the earth, I, I, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We're not even close. But he said, I'm going to let you in on something, though. If you want to know my thoughts, if you want to know my ways, it's in my word. That's what he says. It's, it's, it's in my word. But... but In verse 10, I think it was, where he talks about, I send the rain and the snow, and it cometh and it watereth the ground. That's very interesting. I never really thought about that until today. Because rain and snow do accomplish the same thing, ultimately. I mean, we've been in rain today. When it rains, what happens? Everything gets wet. I mean, instantly, instantly wet. It floods. Uh, man. Your your, your creek flo- floods, your ponds flood, your, your crops flood, everything floods. Instantly, there's water on the ground. But snow is different. Snow can build up, and it can last for weeks, months. You can have these snow banks, six feet tall, and it just stays there. And I believe what the prophet Isaiah is trying to say to us is this, is that... We can't always expect God's word to come to us like rain. What do I mean by that? Have y'all ever played Bible roulette? This is Bible roulette. God, I need a word from you today. And it's talking about something about people who were struck with hemorrhoids. All right. And you're like, all right, I don't know how that applies to my life today. But Lord, please don't let it apply to my life today. (laughs) Have y'all ever played Bible roulette? You just, you're desperate and you need just a spoken word from God. You just need some truth in your life at that moment. And you're like, God, help me. And you flip and you point and you just hope that it lands on something practical. Listen, God's word doesn't always come that way. Sometimes it's like snow. What does that mean? All those weeks, months, years, you've been reading his word And studying his word, putting away that scripture, meditating on it, doing your devotions, listening to the word preached, it's just piling up. And it's just piling up. And then one day, when you need some wisdom, the Holy Spirit will melt that snow and it will flood your life. And all that you've been storing up through all that time Begins to wash over your mind. Begins to wash over your heart. Begins to wash over your spirit. Because you have been storing it up. Sometimes we try to microwave wisdom. But it don't work that way. God is not a genie in a lamp. You need to spend some time with him in his word. In his word. And God's word is not always going to come to you like rain. Sometimes... There's been times, now don't get me wrong, there's times where God gives me right what I need right at that moment. I can't tell you the times I've opened my my Bible and i found something that applies to me right then and there. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. But sometimes, it don't always come that way. Sometimes, though, I'll be pondering about something out of nowhere, a verse comes to my mind. And it's exactly what I need, but it's something I've stored up from years ago, something I heard preachers say years ago or something I've studied years ago. And it's just what I need in that moment. Sometimes it's rain, sometimes it's snow. So how do we get in the word? How do we apply the word? How do we use the word to find wisdom for our life? Well, first of all, we need to be in the word daily. We need to be in the word daily. I think I already have these filled in for you, so you don't got to worry about that. But be in the word daily. Listen. There is no substitute for the believer spending time in the word of God daily. There is nothing that can substitute that. Nothing. We have to be in the word daily. It, 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 you cannot claim, listen to me, you cannot claim the promises of James where he says, ask of me and I'll give you wisdom. That, that, that continual asking is done through the searching and the, and the meditating on his word. And you're not going to be able to claim the promise that God will give you wisdom if you're not spending time with him in his word. Because what did did Isaiah say? He says, I'm going to speak to you my thoughts and my actions and my ways through my word. And here we are trying to claim wisdom and we're not doing the things we need to do to get wisdom. So we need to be in his word daily. Another way we've got to do this is sit under the word weekly. Sit under the word weekly. Why do we gather here at temple every week? Why? Because God, in his wisdom has chosen to pour out his wisdom through the preaching of his word. And, and, and listen, there's been times, I'm sure, I'm sure there's been times where you just didn't feel like coming on a Sunday. And so you stayed home. And you missed out on the one Sunday God was going to say something to you to help you in your situation where there's going to be something preached, a topic that was going to be spoken about. And you stayed home, didn't listen, didn't come to church. And it was exactly what you needed in that moment. And you missed out because you didn't sit under preaching the word weekly. Listen, Pastor Malcolm has said it. I, I can absolutely approve of that statement as well, where there's been many times in counseling situations where people come in broken hearted and devastated talking about something they're going through. And I'm thinking, brother, if you would have showed up two weeks ago, we talked about this. Yes. And so you did not show up when you needed the wisdom. And now here you are at going in a tailspin. And now you're in emergency mode and you're looking for some wisdom. When the wisdom was given out two weeks ago, but you were not here to hear it. Right, and so we need to be under the preaching of the word weekly. Three, yeah. Weekly. Number three. Fellowship with others around the word consistently. We need to fellowship around the word with others consistently. Now, I'm also the life group pastor here. And so I'm going to give a free plug because there ain't nobody here to stop me. <laughs> but we need some life group leaders. We do. We, we are very, very short supply of some life group leaders. We've got people on standby wanting to jump into a life group and we have nowhere to put them. Because we just don't have life group leaders. And so if you've ever felt like, hey, this might be something I want to do, uh, man, we, we could use you. We could use you, specifically couples. We need some married couples that would be willing to lead a small group or a life group. But, but here's what I want to tell you. It's important that we get around with other people to study the word of God. Why? So that the Holy Spirit in me can minister to the Holy Spirit in you and vice versa. We can encourage each other around the word. Life groups should be more than just eating pigs in a blanket and fried chicken. All right. That's good. I know we're Baptists. That's our love language. But here's the thing. It should have some some kind of equipping through the word. We need to be around each other in the word consistently. Let me give you some Bible for it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing, who? One another. another. And psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We need to be around each other, studying the word of God Consistently. That's how you get in the word. You, you study it daily, you sit under the preaching of it weekly, and you study it with others consistently. Yep. If you want to be in a position to get some wisdom from God, that's what you need to do. Secondly, secondly, we need to be people of prayer. Again, verse 5 of, of James. What does he say? He says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You know what asking is? Prayer. Prayer. If we want to be people who seek wisdom from God, we need to be people of prayer, and prayer is more than just talking. Prayer is a conversation. How, how would y'all feel if you came home and you was getting ready to talk to the family, and they're just blah 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 going nonstop, and in the moment you get ready to say something, they just get up and leave? You would walk away from that conversation totally unfulfilled, wouldn't you? Be like, man, I didn't get a word in edgewise. wise. Huh? But in that, and that's what we do with God, isn't it? That's what we do. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I want this. God, help me here. God, do this. Please have, amen. And God, God's like, ah, okay. <laughs> I mean, you going not let me talk? I don't, I don't know. And so here's what we got to understand. Prayer is communication. And so what God does through the ministry of the Holy Spirit is he brings wisdom into our lives through prayer. Now, let me just say this. God will never bring something into your life that is contrary to his word. All right, so through prayer, uh, God will speak to you. But make sure it, it's backed by prayer. Because sometimes we might want to hear things that he ain't saying. And we might want to interpret things that he ain't bringing. And so we've got to make sure that whatever is spoken to us through prayer is backed by Scripture. But God's Word tells us the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And that we need to seek God through the Word. We need to seek God through prayer. And thirdly, we need to seek God through counsel. Counsel. There have been so many times in my life where I, did, I, couldn't, I didn't know what to do. Decisions had to be made. Maybe it was an a, 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 a opportunity to go on staff at a church somewhere, and I was feeling conflicted about should I do it or should I not. I, I mean, there's all kinds of different scenarios that you could put, but I would have to go find some godly counsel. People, other believers that I trusted and could confide in, and I would tell them the situation and what was beautiful is they were able to give me a perspective on it that I couldn't see. I'm too close to it. I couldn't really see the whole picture. But talking to someone who has a, a godly uh, input and who is a believer, sometimes they can give you some wisdom that you need in that moment. So you're looking for some wisdom in your life. God can use other people to speak wisdom into your life. Yeah. They were able to see stuff I wasn't able to see. They were able to tell me things I needed to know in that moment. Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. He says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. When I look at my life, man, there have been so many bad decisions that could have been avoided if I just took the time to go talk to someone and get some wise counsel. If I would just spend a little time talking to somebody and asking them to pray with me and I could have avoided some bad decisions. I don't know if anybody else can agree with that, but there's been some bad decisions I've made in my life that could have totally been avoided if I got some wise counsel in that situation. So if you want to seek God's wisdom consistently in your life, then we do it through prayer, we do it through the Word, and we do it through counsel. Now let me ask you a question. Out there, fair you in this room, let me ask you a question. Can you, can you honestly say before God, that you are living out the practice of seeking God's wisdom through his word, seeking out God's wisdom through prayer, and seeking out God's wisdom through counsel. Can, can you honestly say that? If you cannot say that, then you are not able to claim the promises of James chapter 1, verse 5. Because you're not putting yourself in a place where you're continually seeking God's wisdom. Remember that word, ask? It means you're continually asking. It means you're putting yourself in a place, a position in your life, where you're continually seeking God's wisdom. And if that is the case, if you're not putting yourself in a place where you're constantly praying, constantly reading the Word, and constantly seeking counsel for for decisions in your life, here's what's going to happen. You want to know what's going to happen? In the moment of a decision... In a moment of a conflict, in a moment of a life circumstance, in a moment of a starting of a new relationship, here's what's going to happen. You're going to blow it. You're going to blow it. You're going to make the wrong decision. You're going to make an impulsive decision. Every bad decision I've made in my life has been an impulsive decision. Something I thought I had to do right then. Didn't give any thought, no prayer, I didn't read the word, I didn't get counsel, and I blew it. And that's because I wasn't ready to receive God's wisdom in that moment. So, if we are living out this practice, that's what we can claim. Again, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. That word liberally, it means that he's not just going to give you the breadcrumbs. It means he's going to tump the bucket over. He's just going to pour it out on you. And he says that he'll do it without reproach. It says abradeth not. That, that phrase abradeth not means he's not going to insult you. He's not going to mock you. Why would he insult you? Because I come to God a lot for wisdom. And he's not going to be like, hey, Jew you again. He, he's not going to insult me. He's not going to hold my past bad decisions against me. He, he's, not going to, he's not going to mock me. He says he abradeth not. He's just going to receive you and he's going to give you what you, what you need. It, it means that it doesn't matter how many times I come to God for wisdom. He's ready to give me wisdom. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Now here's the message of James. If you need wisdom, God's ready to give it. If you need wisdom, he's ready to give it. And I, I can receive that wisdom through the word, through prayer, and through counsel. But There's some obstacles There's some obstacles to wisdom. Number three, there's obstacles to wisdom. Because if what I'm saying is true, how come we don't have God's wisdom all the time? I mean, there's times, again, I feel like I'm I don't have that wisdom. So what are the obstacles to it? Well, number one, we don't ask God for wisdom. We don't ask. Remember, asking means to continually seek him through the word, through prayer, and through counsel. And so, if we're not doing that, then we're living a clear disobedience to the command of James. And so, later in the book of James, he's going to say, You have not because you ask not. Basically, saying, You're not asking the right way. Are you in the word daily? Are you under the Word weekly? Are you, are you fellowshipping with others around the Word consistently? Are you communicating with God through prayer? Are you communicating with others in godly counsel? If you are, then there's a promise for you that God is going to give you wisdom. You, if you're not doing that, then you cannot expect to have God's wisdom in your life. You can't treat God like a genie. All right? You have to position yourself in a way that you're ready to receive whatever God is going to give you at the moment He's going to give it to you. Number two, another reason, another obstacle is that we don't value God's wisdom. Look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He says, let him ask in faith nothing wavering. That word wavering is a Greek word that means double-minded. It means to be in conflict with yourself. You're, you're doubting. as better. You're in conflict with yourself. You're, you're doubting. And so here's what we're doing. We're saying, God, I'm asking you for wisdom, but I'm not really sure I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. We're wavering. And he says later in verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded, that's the first time it's ever used and the only time it's ever used in the Greek in the Bible. It's unique to James, and it describes a divided heart. A divided heart. Basically, somebody is saying, God, I want to know your perspective so I can consider it with all the other perspectives. I want to know what you think, and I'll compare what other people think, and I'll pick the one that works best for me. That means double-minded. That's what we do sometimes. Sometimes we know what God wants us to do, but it's not the easy thing. And so we'll choose something else because it's a little bit easier, but we think it's going to give us the same results. You're double-minded. One commentator said it this way. He says, he is a man with two souls or two minds inside him. One believes, the other disbelieves. And the man is a walking civil war in which trust and distrust of God wages a continual battle against each other. I put another uh, commentator in your notes there. He says, we must realize that when we are truly seeking to know the will of God, He will not reveal that will to us as an option. Some would have God lay His will out on the table along with all the other options, but they reserve the final decision for themselves. Though they definitely want to know God's will, they will follow it only if they think it is their best option. Their major concern is their own will, not God's. Before they can know God's will, they must be willing to follow it no matter what it might be. In other words, when we come to God for wisdom, we're saying, God, I'm all in. Whatever it is, I'm all in. I'm full of faith. I'm trusting you. I'm not coming to you as an option. I'm coming to you as my solution. So, God, I'm all in. I know what these people are saying. I know it may not make sense but I trust you. That's the posture we take when coming to God for wisdom. It reminds me, it reminds me of the story of, of Charles Bowden. Charles Bowden, you probably heard this before, he was a tightrope walker. And he was the first man to ever do a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he was a showman. Boy, he would he'd walk on this tightrope in stilts. He would do it. One time he strapped a stove to him, an old wood-burning stove, and he cooked an omelet while walking the tightrope. All right, he was a showman. He'd walk on a backwards, forwards, and then he'd cross it with a wheelbarrow, like that one right there. And he'd cross over, and boy, everybody's going crazy. Woo, well, yeah. He says, "How many of you think I can do this again but with somebody in the wheelbarrow?" And everybody's like, "Yeah,, well, yeah, you can." He's like, "I need a volunteer." And everybody went quiet. But that's what we do with God. God, I believe your will is the best will. I believe it's the only way. We'll do this. I don't know about that. Yeah. Oof. God, I trust you completely. Anything you say I'll do, okay, do this. I don't know about that. Yeah. Double minded. It's an obstacle. And so we must approach God full in faith, believing that not only He can, But he also knows the best situation, best outcome for us. He knows the best steps for us to accomplish that outcome. And number three, here is another obstacle. We don't prioritize eternity. Look at verse 9 through 11. He says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Because as a flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. And James is kind of saying in a way, chin up, buttercup. Yeah. Hey, you might feel like the brother of low degree. He talks about the man who is poor and low degree. You may feel like, hey, this is how it's going to be. I'm stuck this way. Everything is against me. But there's going to be a coming a day where he says that he will exalt you. What does that mean? He's going to honor you. That means he's going to turn your worries into worship. He's going to turn your problems into praise. He's going to turn your troubles into triumph. And so he says, hey, it's okay. There's coming a day, those who are broken, poor in spirit. He says, God's going to exalt you. I, I love, I love it. because basically the, the poor man saying, hey, I'm poor, but boy, how rich I am. Hey. That's what he's saying. I, it reminds me, I, I was able to do a resource clinic in uh, New Orleans with Travis Sharp with Unsheltered International. And uh, we was going around m- m- visiting with some homeless people in the area. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk with this guy. And he was a believer, loved the Lord, but he's homeless. And I was talking to him and he had strong faith. And he looked at me, and he said this, I'll never forget it. He says, brother, I might be homeless, but I'm not hopeless. I love that. I'm poor, but how rich I am. And that's what James is saying. With God's wisdom, we might be poor, but we're very rich. He's going to exalt you. And then he goes on, and he starts talking about the rich man. And he says, the rich man, in verse 10, but the rich... We need to exalt, or he says, uh, we need to rejoice. The rich man rejoice in that he is made low. In other words, he needs to be humbled. And so the rich man may say, I have it all, but man, what a wretch I am. I might have it all, but boy, I need Jesus. What a wretch I am. He's humbled. And, and what is this all telling us? He's saying, it doesn't matter if you're poor, or if you're rich. If you got everything, you got nothing. Life's great. Life is not. Basically, what James is saying, it's all temporary. Amen. He says it's like the flower that blooms and then it very shortly later is withered away. Matter of fact, James is the very one in chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Life is like a vapor. Yes. Remember, he says it's temporary. It appeareth for a little time and then it vanisheth away. That's what the same writer is talking about. He's basically saying, Hey, the situations and trials and, and all that, it's, it's just temporary. It's just we don't need to live as one who is defeated in this world because this world isn't our home anyways. We have something greater around the corner. But we put so much emphasis on this life that we lose focus of what's to come. And if we are too focused on this world and not the world to come, then we miss out on some of the beautiful wisdom that God is wanting to give you because all we think about is complaining about all the things that's happening. And yet God is saying, quit focusing on that. Focus on me. Focus on what I'm going to give you. And then you'll be able to think with much more clarity about what's happening in your life. I'll be able to put on you my wisdom for your circumstances. But listen, this ain't it. There's more to come. As a believer, here's the good news. As a believer in Christ, we've experienced the worst we'll ever experience. That's good news. For the unbeliever, this life is the best they'll ever have. And so I can rejoice in my difficulties because the best is yet to come. Matter of fact, I, I have an analogy. Some of y'all have probably seen this before. And it's not unique to me. I think Pastor Malcolm, has used it. He stole it from me, but that's okay. But I stole it from somebody else. It's all good. We steal stuff from everybody. But, but this, is a, this is an analogy, an illustration I saw years and years ago. Um, we're going to, Fairview, I'm sorry, you probably can't see that, but it looks good on your side because it looks like this rope is just going and going and going. And that's the point of this. We're going to pretend that this rope represents eternity. I mean, you're just going to pretend it just keeps going and going and going and going. And this little piece right here is your life. That's it right there. That's your life. And so right here, that's when you was born right there. And then right here, that was your first steps. Look at you. And then right here, first kiss. That's nice. Here's where you graduated high school. And then here's where you got your job, right here. And then here, here's where you got married. It was a beautiful wedding. And then you had kids. Boy, that was awesome. And then you get down to here, and this is when you pass away. But then we have all of that. But yet all we focus on, and we get discouraged about, and we fret over, is this. And James is saying, the wise man understands there's more to come. And so, chin up, buttercup. God will give you the wisdom you need for this, but it helps put in perspective what we have to come. It helps us take our eyes off the problems and focus them on what God has done for us. And so what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. What does God see? He sees it all. From beginning to end. It means that he knows the best potential outcome for every situation in our life. and He knows the exact best steps that we need to take to make that outcome possible. Where does wisdom come from? Well, it comes from God. It don't come from the news. It don't come from Facebook. It doesn't come from your preacher. It comes from God. How do we study? How do we know God's wisdom? Well, we get in his word. We communicate with him in prayer. We get with godly counsel. And, and what are some obstacles? Well, we don't ask him enough or we don't value it enough. We just make it as one of our options of wisdom. But we may be put on the table with other perspectives and other ideas. But God says, I need to be the only idea. But we need to make sure that it's not an obstacle to us. That when we come to God for wisdom, we're saying, God, you are it. I'm not going anywhere else. You are it. And also, another deterrent to wisdom is that all we do is focus here and not here. So I'm praying for you, church, to not be discouraged. God has given you abundance of wisdom he says come and ask and i'll give it sometimes sometimes it comes like rain sometimes it comes like snow he says but it's always there so don't get discouraged when you ask keep asking and when i give i'll keep giving amen